0: Welcome to the Avenging Hour. Yay. I'm Jason.
1: <laughs> John! <laughs> that
0: was really low-key, wasn't it?
1: I'm not sure what was going on there.
0: Ah, We are going to do episode 24 today. That will consist of uh, issues 50 and 51. But first, previously on the Avenging Hour, Cap quit the team for no reason. Goliath lost his growth powers for no reason. Hawkeye attacked the Black Knight for no reason. Uh, Magneto and Toad kidnapped the Maximals while Hercules went home to find no one except the Titan Typhon. And now episode 24...
1: Avengers number 50. We're starting with number 50. This is a double-sized issue, right? Yeah, see, normally (laughs) in modern comics, it used to be any any of your 50s or 100 issues, but now it's pretty much anything that's 25, 50, 75, or 100, or really anytime they feel like it, will be a double-sized issue with all kinds of bells and whistles and die-cut covers and holographic covers and it's the glasses, yeah. but uh, they didn't do that so much in these days um, issue number 50 is just a regular issue of the Avengers there's nothing special about it they were just as
0: surprised as we were that they made it this far and
1: let me repeat that there is nothing special about this issue <laughs> this is from March of 1968 it is Roy Thomas and John Buscema again and it is called to tame a titan. Hawkeye and Goliath are arguing, screaming a recap to all the readers about what's been going on the last few issues. They finally kiss and make up and head off with the wasp to find Hercules and give him a hand with whatever he may be doing. What he's doing is exploring the misty netherworld he now finds himself in, a netherworld filled with some ugly critter with many tentacles and large pointy teeth who wastes no time in trying to eat our pontificating Olympian. He quickly dispatches his attacker and then just as quickly stumbles over the rest of his Olympian brethren also exiled to this store-brand limbo by Typhon. Some of the Olympian gods start to throw around some tood, but Zeus quickly realizes that Hercules could be most helpful in their current predicament and welcomes him to their cause. Zeus explains that because Hercules is half-human, he's not as strongly bound by Typhon's magic and can leave this wasteland. Zeus thus sends Hercules back to kill Typhon and free the Olympians. Typhon, meanwhile, is a jerk face. He has ventured to Earth and is taunting the humans with his power attacking navy ships and being all... I AM THE POWER, FOOLISH MORTALS! However, our avenging trio has been alerted to Typhon's presence and may engage the Titan in battle. They're having some problems with his godlike might, but are holding their own when Hercules appears, having been teleported by Zeus. Hercules now engages Typhon in battle, while the other three Avengers pitching in where they can. The battle plods on for entirely too long, and no one is surprised when Hercules fells his blustering foe. Hercules decides he's going to leave the Avengers, so they drop him and his prisoner off, and Hercules plunges Typhon's axe back into the brazier, reigniting it. This frees Zeus and his fellow Olympians, who return to their home, banish Typhon to Hades, and then proceed to return to a life of decadence. Meanwhile, the Avengers return to their headquarters, where they realize that their active roster is down to three. Oh well. At least Hercules is gone. The end. Nothing happens in this issue. Our roll call is only four Avengers. Hawkeye, Wasp, Goliath, and Hercules. Our villain is Typhon. And we do see Zeus and Ares. There as you pointed out before, are a few other Olympians, but I couldn't tell who they were. But you can definitely tell Zeus and Ares they get speaking roles.
0: So. Yeah, that took all of uh, three minutes. (laughs) Of
1: all the comics that we have read so far for this podcast. This is the fiftieth. This
0: is the anti-anniversary issue.
1: <laughs> I I I really have very little to talk about. So if you have notes, feel free to, to to spit them out.
0: I just have very tiny little observations. First off, it's nice to see Hawkeye and Goliath bickering again. I really missed that.
1: That's nice. I, I think it's odd. Yes, that's true. I don't know if I call it nice, but it's it, it lets us. It reminds us that this is an Avengers comic. <laughs> The Black Widow is on vacation. Right. Which makes no sense to me. Right now is when this title could use her uh, to, to add some interest, and they shuffle her off. And the so it's bad enough that they've shuffled the Black Widow off the scene, but the Wasp spends time here telling us how she also wants to quit being a superhero so she can get married. Yeah.
0: And look <laughs> at Hank's face. No. I don't know what that thing is that Hercules fights. It reminds me of, uh, did you ever see the movie Creepshow? And those people are out on that raft in the lake, and that like slime monster comes up and envelops them. That's what that thing looks like.
1: Well, the problem is, Hercules tells us what it is. Yeah, it's one of the dread Erinys,
0: right? It never shows up again in any comic book ever.
1: Well, the Erinys are the three female goddesses in Rome, in Greek mythology. They're, they're basically in well in Rome when they when the Greek mythology began, the Roman mythology, their equivalents are the Furies. So they are always, always depicted. They're, they're, they are three female goddesses who seek vengeance against anyone who has sworn a false oath or done an evil act. They are always per, per, portrayed as the three women, the crones, the fates. Is it spelled the same? Yes. Huh. So what the heck is this? Wow. It's nothing like
0: that. The weird thing is that he knew what it was in this land of shades, and then he walks like six steps and the rest of the Olympians are right there. Why didn't <laughs> this thing attack them? <laughs>
1: and let's be clear. This is a Hercules issue. Yeah. Issue number 50 is Sadly Hercules. it is. The other Avengers are barely in it And they are not important This is all about Hercules
0: Uh, My favorite, favorite, favorite part of this book And it's something we need to put on Instagram uh, The bottom of page (laughs) 5 That last panel just pokes uh, Hercules in the eye (laughs) 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 That is such a poorly composed panel
1: Yes, yes it is. You've
0: got got Zeus in the foreground, like, pointing towards Hercules, and then for some reason they drew Hercules' head partway behind Zeus's finger, so it looks like he's poking Hercules right now. (laughs) That would be great if he was. (laughs) Uh, I guess at some point Typhon got bored of rolling over an empty Mount Olympus. Which you would have
1: thought he'd have figured out that would happen when he banished all the Olympians Yeah, I got
0: Olympus, but
1: what do I do now? There's nothing here.
0: I'm not sure why Hawkeye thought he matched for this guy who is clearly at least 12 feet tall.
1: Yeah, I'm not really sure why either. Though You, you mentioned about to me off-air about pop culture references. Hawkeye does name-check Prince Valiant mm. in this issue, which is... Uh, does it have something to do with the guy's haircut? That's usually what yeah. you reference Prince Valiant for. Uh, well, Prince Valiant, as everybody knows, I'm sure, is a comic strip that Hal Foster created back in 1937. It is not your typical comic strip. It does not have... Action? <laughs> uh, or anything uh, interesting? It doesn't have yeah. war balloons in it. It's, it's basically an Arthurian setting Uh, It's never been something I've been able to get into. It's Mm. very, very state and kind of boring as far as I'm concerned. But he does name check it. This is yet another fight scene
0: where the participants give us an overblown play-by-play of the action. I I think I mentioned it when Hercules was fighting... um, was he fighting Ares? And, and she, yeah, and then, then uh, Enchantress came and interrupted them. And I mentioned how they, uh, they just talk like two yeah. Shakespearean actors while they punch each other. There's one particularly egregious uh, frame in here where Hercules is blasted back into a pile of rocks... And as he lays there, he's saying out loud, Typhon's coming towards me, and
1: he's going to hit me. Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous.
0: It's, it's like three paragraphs of him talking as Typhon is evidently running towards him with his fist out in front of him. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous.
1: By the way, the, the Prince Valiant name check is when he he says, um, we may be a little in the dark as to what your beef was against that overgrown refugee from Prince Valiant. Mm. While well, he's talking to Hercules. While well, he's talking to Hercules, as if Hercules is knows what, what Prince the, the most modern man on right, Earth. Yeah. <laughs> what else?
0: That's uh, about it. I, I just, you know, the point of Hercules has now quit and the team's down to three members. We won't see Hercules in there for another 50 issues or so. Yeah, yeah, right after it. 49, 50 and, yeah. Oh, thank goodness. I um, know you're not a fan. No. I think fan. he, uh, later on in the 80s, I think he adds a little bit to the team. He's kind of funny. and He can be very funny. And he's got some power to him, so it's always nice to have him around. But.
1: There is one more pop culture reference that when they get back to, the ba- to Avengers Mansion and Hawkeye also realizes that they're down to three people. He says, uh, The way we're losing members, hand over fist, maybe we ought to launch a door-to-door membership drive. Uh, about now, I'm ready to vote. in anybody this side of Wonder Warthog? I saw that. Wonder Warthog is a really interesting reference for him to make. Wonder Warthog is a character who started out as a Superman parody, but he's an underground comics character. Underground comics were becoming more and more popular in the 60s and 70s. Uh, he was created, Wonder Warthog was created by Gilbert Shelton, who also created the fabulous Furry Freak Brothers. These are... are this The underground comics scene and these were comics with an X see why my X that's how you knew they were edgy were often fueled by drugs and, <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> and not the sort of thing that one would expect to see in a Marvel comic the only reason I would imagine that it made it past the comics code authorities is because no one there knew what it was Yeah. Uh, and apparently I guess where Thomas reads this kind of stuff but it's, it's, it's interesting of course he does he reads Tolkien but that's it I got I have nothing else about this about the issue about itself, the issue you know, itself like nothing all right, on the Bullpen Bullens, we started to talk about why 1968 is going to be such a big year. And 1968 is a huge year for Marvel. If you remember back in the day when we started talking about these comics, we were talking about the state Marvel was in, in 1963. And we had mentioned that Marvel had lost their distributor, and many of their comics were being distributed by basically DC. And that's why so many of their books were split books, while you had Tales, to, to, Tales of Suspense and uh, Strange Tales and Tales to Astonish, where you had... Multiple characters jammed into one book because they, they couldn't publish anymore. 1968 is the year that that changes. Marvel finally manages to secure their own distribution, and so what we what happens in 1968 is that all of a sudden, where you had three books, you now have six books because they, the Hulk and Namor get their own titles out of Tales to Astonish, Captain America and Iron Man get their own tales out of Tales of Suspense. And Doctor Strange and S.H.I.E.L.D. get their own titles out of Strange Tales. Those are another three, right? Yeah, that's it. And they officially rename Journey into Mystery into Four. They might have done that before, I'm not sure. But if they haven't, they they officially do it now. So all of those... Titles, which were leftovers from the early, the late 50s, early 60s, are now gone. It's an explosion of titles. It really is. Many of them are not going to last long. Most <laughs> Many of them are not good on their own. Most <laughs> of them won't last more than three years. Namor, Doctor Strange, S.H.I.E.L.D. are going to be gone by early 70s. Uh, of course, Iron Man, Hulk, and Captain America hang around a little bit longer than that. And those titles keep coming back or trying to come back and they keep failing. It's true. It, it's, and that's and that's common for both Marvel and DC where they have, you've got those characters that can sustain their own titles and sometimes three or four that are perennials. And then you've got those characters in the second tier and the third tier who they'll keep giving their own titles every once in a while for no other reason than to keep the copyrights active. Yeah, But they can't quite seem to grab an audience for any length of time. I mean, Namor's had how many titles? Doctor Strange is Good right. Grief. That's yeah. the one I was going to write. I mean,
0: not to go off on a tangent. I'm a big Doctor Strange fan. No, so we've got fan, time. But, uh, we do our Doctor Strange podcast. I'm actually sure. hoping when, when the movie comes out that it'll secure Doctor Strange's position in the Marvel Universe and maybe,
1: you know, get him a, a title that'll stick for a while. It would be nice. Because I'm a huge Doctor Strange fan as well. And uh, I... Yeah, I smell the next
0: podcast.
1: <laughs> actually, well, that of the Defenders. Oh, yeah. Well, we got to go oh, to the be Defenders be if you're doing Doctor Strange, I mean... We can, talk
0: for, we can talk for stop to the Fantastic Four. You're never going to get me to the dark side. <laughs> Star Wars podcast? I'm not a fan of the Fantastic
1: Four. We get our last rank in the Marvel titles. Oh, I've been waiting forever for this. This is the highest rank. It is the PMM, Permanent Marvelite Maximus. And that's when you get a job at Marvel. If you got the other four <laughs> titles, you automatically get this. So go all four. Stands are by default of
0: working your way up the ranks, you actually attain the last rank. Or can you get on um, some. I guess you could get any of those ranks without getting the others.
1: Yes. Okay. It right. makes more sense. So, um. And Stan Soapbox basically is just about how they're not going to, and they will no longer refer to their competitors as Brand X because they're too good for that. Now they're going to call them D Stink. <laughs> oh, that would be wonderful. All right, so uh, letters. Okay. Do you have any? Well, uh, John Lund of Santa Barbara, California, says he doesn't like the subscriptions because a dollar seventy-four for twelve issues is expensive. And way <laughs> too much. <laughs> Yeah, what's that get you these days? A third of an issue? No, doesn't seem that expensive. And how you feel about this now, buddy? Yeah, yeah. right. When when most comics are four dollars an issue. And you should be able to get an entire year for $1.75. This <laughs> is because you now like 60 bucks. Yeah. Uh, and we have a letter from a comics creator, or a future comics creator.
0: Wait, before you get, let me get okay, my Okay, go name. ahead. Because I don't, I don't think this guy's a comics creator. I've never heard the name. Uh, William Yambor from uh, a town in Pennsylvania that I can't pronounce. Just sad because I've lived here my, almost my whole life. <gasps> did I just give away that we're in Pennsylvania? Oh, when no. did we? Oh, no. oh, That's right. We're Skyping you in. That's okay. right. From Asgard. I'm astro-rejecting. Bill, Billy, Bill, Billy Bob Yambor here gives uh, Roy Thomas some kudos for making Quicksilver Fly. He also... He also wants dumber bad guys for some reason he makes a point that most of marvel's villains are somehow scientists and he wants more
1: dumb villains i hate him already that's
0: hilarious uh i also noticed you're obviously probably gonna prove me wrong with bringing this guy up now but I, you have to have noticed this reading these letters that most of these letter writers sound like eight-year-olds with adhd yes, yes. they hop around from topic to topic you get short little choppy sentences and, and
1: i don't know if. I mean, let's be honest, the average age of the comics reader is younger now, or younger then than it was, than it is now. So most of the people that were are writing in probably are younger than what you see, would see in the typical letters page by the 80s and the 90s and the whatever. They're ridiculous. I like Wasp's new
0: costume. Hercules should die. You should put Spider-Man in the Avengers. My favorite color is blue. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: The only other thing I can think of, though, is it's possible that Marvel's editing the letters? Yeah, that's true. Where they may go on? Because they still have that banner at the bottom that says, Please limit it to one page. So I'm wondering if they're not cutting things out to make them fit. Uh, The last letter we want to talk about is from future comics pro Tony Isabella from Cleveland, Ohio. Tony Isabella was born December 22, 1951. And he will end up being hired by Marvel in 1972, though he writes for both Marvel and DC over the years. He's probably best known for creating the character Black Lightning for DC... And then, perhaps Bester known, for having a huge split with DC over who actually owns that character. Uh, he also wrote Tony's Tips in Comic Buyer's Guide for over a decade, and still does an online column. Uh, he is not hard to find. He doesn't write a lot of comics anymore, but he's not difficult to find uh, if you look for him on the internet. And also, uh, he created a comic that uh, I think you're a big fan of, The Champions yeah you love um, the champions right I do love the champions he created and wrote that comic for the first ten issues I think before I think he again I it didn't had, last much longer after that <laughs> no it didn't uh, he wrote Ghost Rider for a long time yeah. until he had a falling out with Jim Shooter about <laughs> some falling outs well he uh, didn't own Ghost Rider about, yeah. about, about his plot line he's uh he had a plot line that uh, where he introduced Jesus into Ghost Rider, and he wrote it, The Living Colossus. <laughs> nice. I believe we're going to see him in the Avengers. He does a lot of fill ins in a lot of books. Yeah, and I believe he does a couple of issues of the Avengers in the seventies. So, but that's all I have for letters. I don't even know, his letter wasn't even that interesting. You? He has a he has a letter in the next issue too. I believe he does. He wrote a lot of letters apparently about DC and Marvel, which again was how you got hired at this point in yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, MVP Hercules. You kind of have to be. <laughs> yeah. He's you kind of have I did, to yeah. go to Hercules. Uh, useless character? Goliath. I picked the Wasp. Goliath at least seems like he wants to try and help against Typhon, but I'm relatively sure the Wasp files her nails to that entire fight. I don't remember any of them being in it. <laughs> Avengers level threat?
0: Um. Well.
1: I mean, I think Typhon is. I,
0: I know you always like to try and frame this as like, the old, like Magneto as being, you know, Magneto as we know him against, where I always try and put it as in this issue, are they a threat? And mm-hmm. I would say Excellent. actually in this issue... Typhon is a threat because there's only three team members and they're all pretty lame
1: yeah I think well I think I mean he's a powerful god
0: yeah so against this depleted team, is definitely a threat. Final grade. I gave it a C minus. It's just so boring. I I gave it a D minus, which I think yeah. is the lowest I have. That's what just, I just gave the last one. I
1: think that's the lowest I've scored any issue ever since we've been doing this. It is so dull. It is just a big fight that I just don't care about. So this is our
0: second episode of awesome, right?
1: Well, <laughs> last <laughs> week's episode was woo right up there. This next issue must be even must be amazing.
0: <laughs> this one's actually kind of hilarious. So at least we'll have some fun with it. Issue fifty one. April, 1968. Roy Thomas, John Buscema. In the clutches of the collector. Desperate to find a fix for his size-changing issues, Hank decides to zap himself electricity using something called a Vibratron. Surprisingly, this does not work. Instead, the machine's wonky controls get stuck and the rest of the team has to leap into action. Hawkeye tries punching Hank in the face, but receives... (laughs) But receives a shock for his efforts Then Wasp climbs inside the machine and disconnects the tiny plugs holding it all together
1: Okay, oh, guy's barred from the lab from now
0: <laughs> These are the heroes the world is counting on A group of idiots who would be confused by IKEA instructions Lucky for us, we don't have to dwell on that anymore Because guess who's back? Nope, not that one And nope to your next two dozen guesses too Because it's the Collector That homeless guy in the Halloween mask That rejected fifth golden girl That drunken Times Square Doc Brown impersonator That dementia-addled grandma in Star Trek cosplay That old pile of laundry left in a graveyard (laughs) Yep, it's that guy Collector is talking to someone about completing his set of Avengers And this time he's got his sights set on Wasp Again Unaware of her, stalker from a distance Wasp is enjoying her fancy new apartment It's the classiest, most luxurious apartment in the world Complete with an A-shaped pool and high dive While her teammates wait below in full costume Jam does a swan dive and a swanky green bikini Upon surfacing, she snatches up a strange comb Resting on the edge of the pool that no one wants to lay claim to And is immediately pulled up into the sky by an invisible tractor beam With her teammates clinging to her legs Wasp is sucked up into Collector's ship Wait, who is that with the Collector? It, is that Thor? Well, that's weird. Yeah, Collector roped yet another superpowered fool into his thrall with a spiked drink. What is it about this guy that makes people think, yeah, he looks like a good drinking buddy? Is it the sunken eyes? The downturned mouth that always seems a second away from baneful shrieking? That troll doll hairdo? Whatever it is, Thor took the bait and tossed back an obedience potion-laced elixir, making him Collector's reluctant henchman for this story. As we're told, the plan is first to use Thor's storm powers to zap Goliath and somehow fix him. Then, Collector will use Thor's strength to snag the other Avengers and complete his set. First, he looks for Cap, but he's in Africa. That's way too far away. Then he finds Hulk, but Hulk is on his way to Asgard. Too much interference. He finally settles on kidnapping a clueless Iron Man. Collector sends Thor to retrieve the armored Avenger and the two heroes do battle, never once over explaining anything. Thor doesn't even say why he's attacking and Iron Man never asks. It's just like the old days when the Avengers fought each other for no reason. As Thor is finishing Iron Man off, Wasp frees herself and starts helping the others escape too, which prompts Collector to activate some giant robotoid that starts firing stun rays all over the place Hawkeye tricks the mindless machine into blasting its own control panel and all hell breaks loose The robot snatches up the Collector who is forced to teleport away then Goliath miraculously grows to 25 feet tall again and smashes the robot With Collector gone Thor snaps out of his funk scoops up the near-death Iron Man, and frees the rest of the Avengers moments before a collector's ship explodes into bits. Before everyone can finish patting themselves on the back, Captain America radios in to tell the team that he's found his replacement, the Black Panther. Wait, who? The end. Our roll call for this issue? Uh, it's still the same leftovers on the team as last time, Hawkeye, Wasp, and Goliath. Thor and Iron Man get roped into some cameo appearances, while Hulk, Captain America, and Black Panther are also seen. This is the first appearance of Black Panther in an Avengers issue. We will see much more of him coming up soon. I don't think this one panel headshot of him demands any sort of meaningful biography. You might think differently. Uh, We'll talk about him later. uh, Our villain is the stupid collector. (laughs) And a mishmash of alien creatures that he has in his ship... Uh, last time we saw Collector was in issue 28 where he basically did the same thing. He's like that creepy guy who sits at the bar all night waiting to buy you a drink and then you wake up in a hotel bathtub missing a kidney. That's, that's all I have. I don't even have any notes.
1: Um, I have a few notes. Uh, oh, they, okay. they admit, first of all, Hank's using a Vibrotron. I bet he guard that in jam. <laughs> well, he didn't have Chris <laughs> sort of hands
0: around anymore, so.
1: <laughs> they admit on the splash page that Goliath is colored incorrectly on the cover. Right. Whoopsie! Uh, what's even sadder is I didn't notice mm. until I read it. I didn't I- notice this even afterwards. So the wasp admits again in this issue that her stings are useless. Why does she have those stupid things? Because I think every time she tries to use them, she says, they're useless. Why doesn't she upgrade them? They they have a lab. Maybe Uh, instead of constantly trying to figure out how big Goliath can grow to, he should work a little bit on upgrading her stings. Maybe he's not the right kind of scientist. I thought he could do anything. (laughs) The the caption boxes tell us that um, we are going to play havoc with Aristotle's ubiquitous unities. Yeah, I skipped over that. So, Aristotle's unities... When they're talking about these, these are rules for drama. There are three of them. <laughs> well, this ought to be good. Unity of action means that a play should have one action that it follows with minimal subplots. And I believe that's what they're saying they're breaking, because they're... No, that's not what they're breaking. Wow, but remind me never to read anything by Aristotle. That must be really boring. Unity of time means that the action should occur in a 24-hour period max. So one thing that happens all at once... And unity of place means a place should exist in a single physical space and should not attempt to compress geography, nor should the stage represent more than one place. That's what I'm sure they think they're breaking because they switch to, they switch to a ship. But they but, do that all the time. But here's the thing. Well, to me this is again Roy Thomas going, I'm an English man. Yeah? Let <laughs> <laughs> me some big words in here. <laughs> because to me, Aristotle's unities are for staging plays. Yeah. Not writing comic books. Aristotle, most people don't know this, didn't write a lot of comic books in his time. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm gonna have to look that <laughs> up. I don't. They didn't do it. Well, lot? Go ahead and fact check it. We are told in this issue that the only reason the Wasp is an Avenger is because Hank wants to be one. That's kind of interesting. I, I'm, I, I believe it and it, their current characterizations it makes sense but in 10 years that is completely gonna flip and the only reason Hank will be an Avenger is because Jan wants to be one I find it interesting that we're at this but so, so mark this point on your Hank and Jan calendar mm. that at this point in time that's where in their relationship their relationship will completely flip so the collector has an obedience potion and yeah. he can use it to he used use that you. last time that's how he got Beetle to help him out and he, can, and he uses it on Thor right away he kidnaps the other Avengers and doesn't feed them the bloody potion immediately right like, like why didn't he just stick an iv in their armor oh my gosh that's the first thing he should have done and he doesn't although i don't think any of them could have helped <laughs> anyway <laughs> <laughs> and would have just fought themselves must we continue to to fiddle with goliath's powers so now he can go to 10 feet again with no problems or he can go to 25 feet for 15, for 15 minutes, minutes. yeah so we are back to more ridiculous numbers and limitations on his powers And it doesn't make any sense. And I have nothing else to say about this issue unless you want to talk about the Black Panther.
0: I I don't want to talk about the Black Panther because I I don't think just one little picture of him makes much of a difference here. We're going to talk
1: about the Black Panther.
0: Oh, okay. Let's talk about Black Panther then. Um,
1: (laughs) The Black Panther first appeared in Fantastic Four number 52, which is July of 1966. He is King T'Challa of Wakanda. He is important because he is the first black superhero in American mainstream comics. There were a few... Black superheroes before, but they tended to end up in independent comics. He predates a lot of people ask about his name because, of course, in the in the late sixties, you also had the Black Panther political movement. Mm-hmm. He predates that movement's name. No, okay. sure. Not the movement. The movement was around, but they didn't call themselves the Black Panther until they saw him. Right. Yeah. But no, they didn't call themselves that until October of nineteen sixty six. And since he was first published in July of sixty six, which means he was written probably Couple in, in before, March of sixty yeah. six. It it certainly is not from that. We can talk about his history next time, I guess, if you want to. Yeah, it makes more sense. Okay. I, then I really have nothing uh, else. Was he actually called the Black Panther in this issue, or did they just call him the Panther? Well, they, and they tried for a while to change his name so that it wasn't the Black Panther anymore. They they tried to 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 take him to the... It was like... You're going to think I'm kidding, but it was like the Cole Leopard or something like that. Yeah, right? I think you're right. Where they tried to get his name changed because they didn't want to be confused with the Black Panther, but they didn't. You're right. He does say he calls himself the Panther.
0: And if I recall correctly, the scene that we see him here helping out Captain America in Africa he's actually going by the
1: uh, identity of Luke Charles I think is his alter ego at this point yeah we'll see that more in in the um, when it comes to the Avengers I have nothing else about this issue this issue serves one purpose only and that purpose is to do something with Goliath's powers is to make us laugh For, for some for some reason they felt that, but the the problem is so the, the purpose of this issue is to fix Goliath's powers. The problem with that is his powers broke for no reason. Right, they said so, it to themselves. So there's no reason we shouldn't
0: have to have this issue to fix them. He could just have a couple thought balloons where he goes, "Well, thankfully my powers came back, and then it would be done." Exactly. And then we could skip right to Black Panther
1: in the Marvel in the man Boltons. The only thing of interest, or I don't even know if it's of interest, is I, I have been keeping this video in Stan's soapbox. Stan Soapbox, this issue, is saying how 1968 is going to be a year for change at Marvel and how great they are. Didn't I already do that last we, issue? We, well, not in his soapbox. They talked about it in the bullpen books, oh, okay. but he didn't discuss it. He also hints at a brand new type of comic magazine. I believe what he is talking about is their line of black and white magazines. The Spectacular Spider-Man, The Rampaging Hulk. These were black and white, actual ma- like tabloid magazine mm-hmm. size rather than comic book size books. That had more mature comic stories in them. They didn't go through the comic code authority, so Marvel could do what they wanted. There's that wonderful X-rated scene where Spider-Man has. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but they could do more mature stories if they wanted to. When did they debut? I. Think... I know they were out in the '70s. I, well, I thought it was the 70s, but now i think about it. I think that Peter Parker, I think the Spectacular Spider-Man wasn't called Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. The magazine was just called the Spectacular Spider-Man. I think that came out in 1968.
0: Then we have, of course, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. Yes. We've got Vampire Tales and a bunch of other different horror books. Yeah, they'll
1: do a lot more of them in the 70s. Yeah. I th- actually, I think the one that lasts the least amount of time is the Spider-Man one. They're published by, uh, I believe, Curtis magazines. And they do, I think they do a Conan one as well. Yeah. Maybe this black and white Conan one. Yeah, these yeah,
0: will... Savage, Savage of Conan, okay? Yes,
1: I believe it was. These magazines will become more popular when they try and get away from superheroes. Even the Rampaging Hulk, which does better than Spider-Man, my understanding is a lot of the stories are not Incredible Hulk. You know, they do other things besides the Hulk in that magazine, and I think that's what saves it. Yeah, I have quite a few of the Deadly Hands of Kung Fu issues, and
0: they they do interesting things. They'll have like a you know, an Iron Fist story, they'll have a master of kung fu story and then they'll throw in little essays about martial arts they'll do like a biography on Lee yeah. they're interesting magazines
1: I think it was I think it was a, a good idea for Marvel to try and diversify it didn't necessarily work but I appreciate the fact that they were thinking what can we do to expand our base so letters page we letters. have three comics pros Let's dispense with Tony Isabella first, because his letters not necessarily anything I feel really. like talking about. But Tony Isabella is, com- is in the letters page again. Two issues in a row. And then we have two other comics pros. Why don't you do one?
0: Uh, I will do one. We have... Um... <laughs> this sucks, because we can't pronounce his last name. I, you know, you see all these names in writing your whole life, and you never actually hear them because you're not part of the industry. So I'm going to go ahead and call him Doug Mench. That's what I always call him. Okay. Doug Mench was born in Chicago in February of 1948. He is a prolific writer who got his start in comics with scripts for Eerie and Vampirella in 1970. Uh, He started at Marvel in 1973 doing a a lot of writing for those black and white magazines we were just talking about. Uh, Mensch eventually wrote uh, Werewolf by Night title. Where he created Moon Knight. He co created Deathlock in the pages of Astonishing Tales. And he had a critically acclaimed run on Master of Kung Fu in the 70s with artist Paul Galachi, or Galisi. I don't know how to pronounce his name either. How awful is that? Uh, he wrote Batman in the early 80s and created the villain Black Mask. Uh, he also came. Uh, he was responsible for the story where Jason Todd replaced Dick Grayson as Robin, and he came back later in the Batman comics when um, Azrael took over for Batman in that whole no man is that no man's
1: land. Uh, that was
0: Nightfall. Nightfall.
1: Yeah, he wrote Batman and Detective Comics both in the eighties and the nineties. It's funny because I think most of us think of Doug Mensch as writing Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. I think that, 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 that is and what, Moon Knight is. Well, sure, and Moon Knight. Those are what he is so well known for. And I had forgotten that he wrote for—he wrote on and off for two decades of a Batman book, either Batman or Detective Comics. Well, the
0: crazy thing is, in addition to comics, he wrote the original Red Sonia screenplay. Oh, I didn't know They'd that. They got redone so much that his name ended up not being on it. He was the head writer for the '80s uh, Mighty Mouse New Adventure New Adventures cartoon, and he wrote a Batgirl novel for young readers as well.
1: Interesting. Huh. I, I have uh, most of my Doug Minch books are the Batman books he wrote. Sure, because I the. No, the deadly hands have come through a little were a little before my time, and they never really repackaged them because they had so much trouble with rights. right. My understanding is they're going to be releasing them now. I saw that they're supposed to do some sort of on mm-hmm. this and I'm excited to see that because they are supposed to be really good. i have a f- I have some of them here and
0: there. I got some of the cheaper issues that I could find, but my my collection's pretty spotty.
1: And I never really read the early moon nights so I don't really have a lot of Moon Knight with him either sure, no, Moon Knight's not all that good. <laughs> so you know I don't I I don't. to me he's I didn't uh, know that
0: he had uh, co-created Deathlock with uh, Rich Buckler I,
1: I didn't realize sure. until I was looking him up that he was the person that introduced Jason Todd yeah. so right there we should hate him just kidding. <laughs> just kidding when we do our Batman podcast we'll talk more about it oh when we do our Robin podcast let's not, let's not, let's not. our Red Hood podcast um, there's one other comic comics creator on this page I can't believe that there are three comics creators on this page and that is Richard Hoberg Richard Hoberg first of all is from Santa Ana California and I'd like to point out the Richard Hoburg says in his letter that since Hercules shaved, he's one of his top five favorite superheroes. That's a strange criteria. I thought so, too. Richard Hoburg, I almost missed him, but he is an artist. He is a comic book artist. He was born in June of 1952, and he started working for Marvel in the late 70s. He's drawn Star Wars, Savage Sword of Conan, What If?, Call the Conqueror, Iron Man, and The Invaders. And in the 80s, he moved over to D.C. where he worked on The Brave and the Bold, Checkmate, Batman, Green Arrow, a long run on Green Arrow... Green Lantern, All-Star Squadron, Justice League, and Captain Carrot in his amazing Zoo Crew. Wow. He also was the artist. Uh, he worked with Mark Vanier on DNA, D.N. Agents, which we had talked about before. Um, he worked with Steve Englehart when Steve Englehart was writing for Malibu. And he works in animation, currently doing work on some of Disney's new XD Marvel shows. Yeah, which ones? I, I watched some of those. I don't know. Come on, man. So, um, <laughs> it's funny because he's not... Richard Hoburg is not as well known to I think us as Doug mentioned Tony Isabella, but he is I mean, he's had a long successful career in comics and animation. Yeah, I do not know the name. I actually think we are going to see him. No, that's Richard Howell. Never mind. I was gonna say we're gonna see him draw on Division in the Scholar Witch Limited series. But that's Richard Howell, not Richard Hoburg. That might have been who I thought it was when I looked him up and was surprised to find <laughs> out he's actually a professional. He's another one
0: that was uh what, roughly sixteen when he had his letter publisher? Yeah, 52. So, yeah, mm-hmm. 16.
1: So, there you go. That's these two issues. It's been, I think, this is like a 15 minute episode. Yeah, see, something like
0: that. MVP? Uh, my, my MVP was Wasp, because she Me actually too. helped them escape. She helped him escape, and she's the one that saves Goliath. Although it's her fault, you know, for picking up that comb that they got sucked in there in the first place.
1: But she, you know, when when Hawkeye, as you so rightly points out, tries to save Goliath by punching him in the face, <laughs> she's the one that's like, no, 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 no let me take care of this, and she doesn't even hesitate. She she takes care of it. So I thought that was good. Useless character? Hawkeye. I hate to say it, but wow, well, you didn't do anything. I picked Thor.
0: No, it was Thor, wasn't This one I forgot. You're a
1: freaking god and you spend the whole time as a slave of the collector. Well, you know. Way to can't... be a
0: rube. It was his own fault, but.
1: Avengers level threat. Okay,
0: here's where it gets complicated. The collector? No. Clearly not an Avengers level threat. Thor, working for the collector? Yeah. Thor could take out the team.
1: I am so torn on whether the collector is an Avengers level threat or not. I'm going to continue to say yes. No. And... Uh, but again, I am saying that because I know that eventually he gets his own sixth yeah, issue. You can't do that. I can do anything I you want can't to. to.
0: Look, when, when I try and do biographies of people, you always get mad at me when I like go ahead and do retcons and talk about them like way in the future. We try and keep it in the context of the current issues. And right now, the collector is an idiot. Don't shake your head at me. Kind of an idiot. Maybe harsh. He's useless. He's a rag doll. What's your uh, final grade? I gave it a C minus. They give it a
1: B minus. <laughs> it clearly entertained me, but <laughs> this may be Stockholm syndrome after the last four or five issues. But I felt it was a, its a pointless issue, but it's acceptable. It kills time more interestingly than the last few issues did. You're just glad Hercules isn't around. It's not Hercules fighting Typhon for. <laughs> 30 pages. <laughs> that took way too long to happen didn't it? So there we go. That's it for episode 24 for these two issues. So what do we have coming
0: up? Uh, next week, well, I think we just have two issues again. I think for uh, the next couple episodes we're doing just two issues at a time.
1: Next week though we have the next episode's really exciting as we get the end of the uh, Magneto crossover that they've ignored now for two issues. <laughs> and we get to see the first appearance of a, of a villain not not just the first time the Black Panther gets goes into action with a team but the first appearance of a villain who will be very important to the Avengers moving forward pretty prominent yeah so I'm excited for that Um, and next issue this is the next episode this is the last episode here in their current position of Avengers Mansion right
0: next episode we move up to the avenging our satellite
1: right (laughs) yeah. <laughs> no 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 that's when we do our Justice League podcast nah, um, my know. understanding I'm not sure if my understanding is either that Dr. Doom is going to be sending some robots to sink this island or Walter from an alternate reality is going to teleport our mansion away mm. I'm not sure when we go back to fight Morgan mm. Le Fay uh, no, no that's is, the crossing oh that's way no 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 <laughs> no Morgan <laughs> Le is not the crossing that's when Kurt Busiek comes back after mm. Heroes Reborn we have gone totally, totally... Which island are we talking about? Is that the
0: one where is a member of the team and he gives them their... His, the hydro, they're on the hydro base. Yeah, whatever, and
1: you remember during Acts of Vengeance all the robots burst up and sink the island? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. fights them yeah, yeah, and yeah. loses. I couldn't think of any other times... <laughs> well, we it. went years ahead <laughs> there, Right? It. I couldn't think of any other times when the mansion is... is what very, happened
0: after Under Siege when the mansion was destroyed? Where did they... Where they rebuilt they it. What did they do? Well, like, stay in hotels until it was rebuilt? <laughs> they had tents. <laughs> they in slept in the, in the park on
1: benches? <laughs> great. I think they may. I think they stayed with the Fantastic Four. Or maybe I'm thinking of when the Fantastic Four was staying with them after the Doctor Doom blew up the Baxter. Building. Maybe they had Kang come in and
0: just put another level on top of the mansion. <laughs> <laughs> well, eventually
1: in the '90s, the the Watcher from an alternate reality transfer, or teleports them on an alternate Avengers Mansion into place, and they.
0: So what you're saying is we're going to be recording from a different location.
1: Yes. Yes. It will. It should sound less echoey. If we sound a little echoey right now, it's because Avengers Mansion is being cleaned out. <laughs> It's being packed up, <laughs> and uh, this room is kind of uh, empty. So now everything echoes. But by next uh, by next episode, we should be uh, firmly ensconced in our new digs, with plenty of things on the wall to be less echoey. It's
0: not necessarily going to make the podcast any better, per se.
1: No, not at all. <laughs> I, I don't think there'll be any uptick in no, quality. Oh.
0: That's crazy talk. So that's it then. Uh, give us some feedback. Send us some emails. Show us what you wore for Halloween. Wait, is that too dated? I? What? <laughs> what,
1: are, what are you doing this Thanksgiving? What's going on? <laughs> Tell us what your thing. Uh, <laughs> what adventures <laughs> are you thankful for? Our
0: email address is... You done Jason, shuffling? Jason,
1: shuffle stuff? some more papers. What if I wanted... Jason, what if I wanted to to get to us on Instagram.
0: Oh, I bet you could go to at Avenging Hour and you would find us on Instagram. We have some delightful pictures with some ridiculous commentary.
1: What if I wanted to find us on Twitter?
0: Nobody goes on there. But we do have an at Avenging Hour. Actually, we had a uh, a couple episodes ago now, two, three episodes ago when I accidentally put up up the wrong episode after I did some editing. Uh, Someone contacted us on Twitter to let us know that uh, we had made a mistake there. So that's, I guess, coming in handy somehow. That is at uh, Avenging Hour on Twitter as well. And our email address is mail at AvengingHour.com. All of these things can be found on our website, which is also AvengingHour.com. How convenient is that? It's convenient. Thanks. I like it. I worked it all out myself.
1: You put that together. Did you have the thinker help you with that?
0: The mad thinker. He's just a little angry. I actually had the collector go out and, and secure all those uh, all those at Hour things for us. You don't want the collector to help you. I got drunk with him and we just...
1: <laughs> I, believe, I can believe that you Woo! did that. Uh, so that's it. Thanks for listening come back next week everything will be great uh, the, the issues must be better I haven't read them in a long while but I'm going to bet you that they can't be worse than these I would probably Hercules is not in them I would side with you that they can't be worse than these issue 53 must be exciting as guest stars I mean the covers look better at least and we're getting into in just a few episodes time we will be at one, one of the issues the first issue I think that's considered a classic
0: we are going to have a flood of new characters coming in here in the next five or six issues yeah, yeah big deal stuff so keep listening that's right that's it be-
1: bye that <laughs> <laughs> peter now he's jason i'm john bye, see ya